1: Shabbos Shabbat Shallow him a dead spalla. Come the same home, Taha. Toy Hemone, I'm Segula. Toy Hemone, I'm Segula. Boy, the show, I'm a dead Toy Hemone, i Toy Hemone. I'm ba. I'm going to go
0: Great mix of some wonderful Kalbach Erev Shabbat selections. His yard side is this coming Wednesday night, Thursday. You know what that means. We're going to have a uh, a wonderful Kalbach special coming up on the 16th of Marcheshvan. Uh Rav Revin, before that, Pe'er, Uh Before that, Yehuda Solomon's version of the Kalbach V'Shamru. You heard Shlomo in there with Boe V'Shalom and Likrat Shabbat. And, of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday Welcome to a Friday era of Shabbos. <laughs> what, did I do, what did I do with my Friday notes? They were here a minute ago. I'm not even kidding. Oh, gosh. How did that happen? They were literally just here. Um, oh, I don't know. I had a lot to tell you about this Friday, <laughs> about what today is, and all about this era of Shabbos, but uh, somehow, oh, here it is. I found it. Very proud of myself. It's a Friday on this October the 19th, day 10. In the month of Mara Cheshvan, the year 5779, Tavshin I it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Lechacha. We'll light candles in New York at 549, 549 your official candle lighting time. Rabbi Yudin, of course, coming up, we'll talk about Parshas Lechachah at about 8.15 this morning. Malcolm Honlein, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He will join us at 7.40 Eastern Time for the weekly update. Lots to talk about. And um, uh, Ambassador Danny Danone, a United Nations ambassador from Israel to the United Nations, is scheduled to join us. He had a big day and a big week at the UN. We'll explain all that. And he'll be with us about 45 minutes from now here at JM in the AM. So plenty to talk about, lots to do, great music, those songs we don't get to for Lech Lecha. Uh, we will uh, certainly be featuring, or I should say Mark Zamek will be featuring the Arab Shabbos show between 10 and 1 Eastern time coming up after Naomi Nachman's Table for Two, which is brand new today. And, of course, amazing music all the way until candlelighting time. You want to keep it here all day long. I I don't know how else to say it. Uh, I'm sure if you're listening right now, then you're somebody who wants to keep it here all day long. Oh, the rabbi down in ATL Atlanta tells us that they have got a candlelighting at 640. We're still going with the New York candlelighting time, which is 549 uh, later this afternoon. Uh, yeah, it would be something if we started announcing candlelighting time in every single area of the world that's listening to us. That would be quite a challenge, to say the least. And and very confusing, by the way. I have a feeling it would get very, very confusing. Friday morning, JM and the AM. Again, as we said, it's Kalbach's yard sign on Thursday. We have a Kalbach uh, Shabbos Tfilah tonight at the Mizrahi, 249 East Broadway. That starts at 6 p.m. with Mincha. Uh, I'm sure a lot of Kalbach Minyanim are happening around the world tonight. So take advantage, everybody. And... Um, trying to think what else I wanted to mention. Uh so many things happening. Big weekend and just lots of uh lots of goings on. So we will um Oh, don't two things I wanted to say about Monday. I'm glad I remembered this before we uh, got back to the music. Uh two things I want to say about Monday. Number one, don't forget that Monday night Monday night we're going to be broadcasting from Staffcon uh, with our friends at the OU and NCSY, and we have an amazing lineup, really, really good personalities, a lot of people you're familiar with, both from this show and from other areas of Jewish life, uh, so that's going to be fun. We'll start just before 6 p.m. on Monday night from uh, Connecticut, where the uh, Staff Con is taking place, the big staff convention for the OU, uh, and for NCSY, I should say, uh, so we'll start just before 6 p.m. on um, on Monday, and we'll go till about 8 o'clock. All right, so a couple of hours there Monday night. If you miss any of it, you don't have to worry. You know, our uh, tradition—we'll make sure that the show, the two-hour show, is a part of our um, is part of our broadcast schedule uh, during the uh, couple of days afterwards. So you don't have to worry. We'll definitely have uh, a repeat of uh, those two hours. You know, different times during the week, including the next morning. Yeah, including the next morning during the JM Rewind. Slot. we're going to be using that slot uh, to replay what happened on Monday night. Also on Monday morning, and this happened late yesterday. this happened late yesterday with extreme pressure applied by uh, Miriam Al Wallach, Yoni Pollock and myself. It was a uh, it was a three-person tag team effort to convince uh, Mendy Merle, the owner of the longest running, kosher restaurant in new york could you imagine if you think of one that's around longer under the same name you let us know but uh, back in 1988 if i have this right i think it was 88 1988 mendy opened mendy's he's now celebrating the 30th anniversary in fact on monday they're dropping prices to 30 years ago prices which is pretty cool he is going to be here monday morning to discuss all of this we'll try to do 30 day 30 years in 30 minutes with mendy that's what we're going to try to do on Monday morning. But he will be here. We'll talk about the incredible specials, uh, which will be, frankly, incredible and hard to believe, uh, starting on Monday. And it should be cool. It should be cool uh, hearing his perspective of the New York rest- kosher restaurant scene of the last three decades. So Mendy is 30 years old. The restaurant, Mendy's, is 30 years old. We'll commemorate it this coming Monday. Very much looking forward to it. So Monday's really shaping up to be a fun and a very interesting day also we announced that on October the 31st we're at Yeshivat Noam part of their 18th anniversary celebration in Paramus New Jersey don't forget that's going to be October the 31st and their open house is this coming Monday night this coming Monday night's the Yeshivat Noam open house So keep that in mind and um, and that's that great weekend programming of course Avrami with Saturday night Siegel tomorrow night, and Matis with J.M. Sunday on Sunday morning. There's just a lot going on. Thank God, Baruch Hashem. I'm glad you're part of it here at J.M. in the A.M. Well, we mentioned that tonight is traditionally the uh, the 11th of Marcheshvan is the uh, Yartzai traditionally of uh, of Rachel Imenu, Mama Rachel. Here's Yaakov Shweki from Journeys at J.M. in the A.M. <laughs>
1: and sun. your voice is still as you heed the call of Miniko It's our Father's will He who made us all There we ask of you to defy him. Yet a frightened child, numb from pain and grief, remains forlorn and uncertain, clinging to the Mother are you
2: I
0: in the AM. Good song for this week. Parshas Lechacha, Lecha Etain. That's, of course, Deddy here at JM in the AM. Uh, before that we had the um, uh, Menucha selection. Menucha Vesimcha by Ari Goldwag. Ellie Gerstner and the Chavra had Vahayu And, of course, Mama Rocha was done by Jakob Shweki here at JM in the AM. Uh, coming up, we'll do our news at the top of the hour. Uh, Danny Danone, the ambassador from Israel to the United Nations, is expected to join us about uh, 15 minutes from now. So he'll be with us. And, uh, oh, I remind everybody that our friends at TABC have their big open house this coming Sunday. If you're a prospective uh, parent of a TABC student, if uh, you have a son in the 8th grade, or if you are in 8th grade and you want to be there this Sunday and find out more about uh, one of the uh, wonderful Torah institutions in our community. Uh, TABC Open House is coming Sunday. Information, go to TABC.org. Again, TABC.org. And you can get info about this coming Sunday. Also in Teaneck, New Jersey, our friends the Zamics are hosting a um, an event on Sunday night. If you're considering buying a home in Israel, uh, Gedalia Borvik, Eliezer Goldberg, Ruthie Uden, and Daniel Eisenberg are going to be in the Zamik home. Um, well, they'll be uh, Sunday morning at the Hershey Home on Kipling Road in Elizabeth. That presentation will begin at 9 45. And then the Zomic Home uh, in Teaneck, New Jersey, presentation begins at 7 30 p.m. Um, and that is uh, this coming Sunday. Information MyIsraelHome.com. MyIsraelHome.com. Again, a reminder Monday night will be with StaffCon, Con, NCSYOU up in Connecticut at their staff convention. We'll be broadcasting live starting just before 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, you'll hear it uh, then. You'll hear it uh, the next morning on JM Rewind. A couple of hours with our friends at NCSY. Uh, you'll recall that we spoke about StaffCon with Rabbi uh, Ari Rockoff earlier this week here at JM in the AM. Also, October the 31st, we'll be with Yeshiva at Noam. Their open house is coming Monday night. The broadcast to commemorate their 18th anniversary at Noam with her by Hagler and Company is on the 31st of October. That Wednesday morning, the 31st of October, we come to Yeshiva Noam in Paramus, New Jersey. So we're looking forward to that. Mark your calendar and get set, everybody. It is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world in the web at on the Single Network. And of course, on the beloved NSN app, Gali in the background. Yeah. We'll do our news from Israel coming up, and plenty more. Of course, don't forget Thursday is the Art Side of Rosh Kalbach. We'll have appropriate programming as we do every single year. He passed away on the sixteenth of Marcheshvan twenty-four years ago. Gali Israel Army Radio, two p.m. newscast for our Friday is next. Smoke your toe from Jannan.
3: Gali Tal, Stein Kan Noam Goldberg, Ima Shekurei Achshav, <laughs> סוריה קיבלה מערכת מתקדמת יותר של טילי S-300, גרסה שעדיין לא סופקה לאף מדינה אחרת. כתבתנו אינה אנטונוב. העיתון הרוסי איזבאסטיה מדווח כי מוסקבה סיפקה לסוריה שלוש מערכות מסוג S-300 PM2. כך נמסר מגורם במשרד ההגנה הרוסי. מערכת הטילים החדשה שעוברה בעלת יכולות משופרות בזיהוי מטרות מתוחכמות ומטופלת על ידי אנשי צבא רוסים בלבד. המתיחות בדרום. משעות הבוקר נמשכה הפרחת בלוני התווירה מאזל לעבר ישראל. כתבנו רמי מוסר, כי מרבית הבלונים נמצאו באזור המועצה הזורית אשכול, והם נוטרלו בידי חבלני המשטרה. במקביל, צהל נערך לאורח ההגדר לקראת הפגנו סוף השבוע, וזאת עליו שחמאס קרא לציבור בעזע להימנע מהגעה לאזור. שליח האום למזרח התיכון ניקולאי מלעדנוב פרסם לפני זמן קצר הצהרה, ובהכרה לצדדים משמור על איפוק ולהימנע מהסלמת המצב. הוא הוסיף כי האום פועל יחד עם מצרים למניעת אלימות פועל בן 25 נפצע באורח בינוני לאחר שנפל מגובה של כשישה מטרים באתר בנייה בפוריידיס כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסר כי צוות של מגן דוד אדום פינאטו לבית החולים ממחבלת חבלת ראש מתחילת השנה נהרגו באתרי בנייה 36 פואלים ומאות נפצעו מפלגת העבודה עתרה לבגעת בנוגע לפסילת מועמדותה של עינת קליש רותם לרשות עיריית חיפה, כתבתנו מוריה אסרף.
4: מועמדותה של עינת קליש רותם נפסלה משום שמפלגת העבודה הגישה למנהל הבחירות בעיר אין את רשימתה ואותה כמעומדת ואין סייה נוספת. בעתירה נכתב, הזכות לבחור ולהיבחר היא זכות יסודית במדינה דמוקרטית, אכן הגשת הרשימות בבחירות מחייבת הקפדה, אולם לא כל טעות מביאה לפסילה, דיון דחוף דח
3: מזג האוויר היום צפוי לרדת גשם מקומי בכל רחבי הארץ מחר ללא שינוי ניכר בטמפרטורות. ולסיום, ישראל וארצות הברית מרחיבות את שיתוף הפעולה בענייני שמרל איכות הסביבה, כתבנו גל חן.
5: ההסכם מסדיר עבודה משותפת בתחומי שיקום הקרקעות, ניהול פסולת ושיפור איכות האוויר. מדובר בפעם השלישית שבה נחתם הסכם מסוג זה, והמסכר החדש מחליף מסמך דומשת או בסוף 2017. המטרה היא לקדם שיתוף ברמה הממשלתית בין גורמים עסקיים משתי המדינות. בשבוע הבא יפרשו בירושלים בכירים ישראל וארצות הברית על מנת לקבוע יעדים לממושה הבנות.
3: ואלה זמני כניסת השבת פרשת לך לך. 5.27, בתל אביב 5.42, בחיפה 5.32 וביבר 7.4.6. ואלה מְנַיִצֵת יצא השבת מחר בְּאֶרֶב בירושלים ובחיפה, 6.39, בתל אביב, 26 וביבר 7, תצא השבת מחר בערב, ב-6.41. שבת שלום. אלה החדשות שאורך אילנה הרונוב, בצוות, אופר צ'יזיק ומאיה
2: She Nighting, the longest part. Behashere ya le yate no. Ashivotar la nu. Behashere ya le yate no.
1: So
5: Love La Yehudim, Yo Shabason, Machmadim, Shomra Rav is the Hrove, Hema, me dim, Ta'anim first v'chayas that to Ich seh die Berliam sicula so, schau mal mi bovi hat so, scha bosco de's yo m'nassa so, kivo scha was mi come lachto, chi me Adam the so i love him. Zwa schabos kelja khali kum kroi love ya khishli amtach nish mas kho hai vi gam nari tach eh kho vism kho ki ki var tach Dann in mir Adam bihas reimim zu weilam be lechem ki du schwabo birov am singing above be go el khayel mab she may shame him beamim kol ti vamor nivol imramim tanem ve adam te chay
1: Moisha, my ton or toy boy. Yeasley, he is the race in Osai. Moisha, Moisha, my ton or toy
4: boy. I wish I was a man. I wish I was a man. I wish a
1: Incredible
0: selection from Ari Goldwag, entitled Moshe, talking about the great gift that Shabbat is. How true that is. Ariye Kunzler before that from the NCSY Bencher app. We'll be with NCSY Monday night. When we broadcast live from StaffCon. Ariye Kunzler, in fact, is going to be there. That was Menucha Vesimcha. And Ovad Yahamama before that with Lo Eretz Nochriah on this of Shabbat Parashat Lechlecha, at JM in the AM. Always a treat for us to speak with the uh, United Nations Ambassador from Israel to the United Nations. And that's, of course, Ambassador Denny Danone, who is with us live via telephone at the end of a very active week at the United Nations. Mr. Ambassador, shalom. Welcome back to JM in the AM.
6: Shalom. Good morning, Nachum.
0: You know, some members of the IDF might only half-jokingly say that you're fighting the most difficult battles for Israel that are happening right now, frankly.
6: Well, indeed, we are uh, in the front line. You know, our boys and girls defending our borders in Israel. And me and my team, we are defending Israel uh, here in the U.N. Uh, And every day, unfortunately, we have to wake up in the morning and, and fight against evil, against lies, against the deception. And we saw it uh, only yesterday at the Security Council.
0: Oh, no, no question about that. The United Nations General Assembly, first we'll do with this one, voted to approve the observer state of Palestine as the head of the largest block of developing countries. We go back to this past Tuesday, where 146 countries voted in favor of Palestine to head the group of 77, three countries, Israel, the U.S., and Australia, voted against, 15 abstained, and 29 countries did not vote tell us about the absurdity of the united nations general assembly vote this past tuesday
6: well the group of 77 is supposed to deal with developing issues and supporting those countries and now we know that once the palestinians will head this group in 2018 they will focus on other issues so what happened uh, this week the general assembly actually allowed the palestinians uh, to become the head of the group and to represent the group it's not meaningful It means that, you know, for 19, they would get to speak uh, in a few events at the UN. But I think it's a mistake for those countries that actually chose the Palestinians uh, to lead the group because we know that they will not support the the goal of the group. They will take advantage of this.
0: And you've always pointed out the symbolism behind these things. Even if there's no large practical application, symbolically it looks terrible. What gets me... And, and I know that this is, you know, for anybody observing the U.N. for decades, this is no surprise. But the overwhelming vote uh, for Palestine to head this group, it, it, it's the isolation that you, Israel, and the U.S., usually together with Israel, feels that the U.N. is no different than it was.
6: Uh, we are, but I have to make a, a correction that the G.A. didn't vote for the Palestinians to head the group. The group itself, the G77 Decided a few months about it, and what happened this week? In order to allow them to speak in behalf of the group, the General Assembly actually passed a, a limited, restricted resolution that said very clearly that only for this year the Palestinians will be allowed to speak on other issues. So it's not that they were voted by the GA; they were allowed to speak on behalf of the group. But still, you are right. You, you see that you know some countries are afraid to face the Palestinians. Even though I have to mention that you know few. Months ago, me and Ambassador Haley were able to pass a resolution condemning Hamas. So we do see some changes, even in the General Assembly.
0: The U.N. Security Council met yesterday to discuss the Middle East, and I know that you had a role in that um, uh, I- during that session uh, yesterday. Uh, tell us what um, uh, the Security Council discussed at yesterday's meeting.
6: Well, so yesterday, instead of condemning Hamas, condemning the rockets uh, that were launched into Israel, the Security Council focused uh, against Israel, and they brought uh, a great speaker. And I'm, uh, I'm not serious about it, but they brought the Director General of Bexelem, which is a radical left-wing organization uh, that defames uh, Israel and uh, attacks our uh, boys and girls in the IDF. And they brought him to give a testimony to the Security Council. So I attacked this circus because Bolivia, who had the Security Council, invited him. And I told him if somebody from Bolivia would have come to the Security Council and would have attacked the Bolivian government, he wouldn't be able to go back to La Paz, <laughs> he would be arrested. Uh, so we are, we are proud of our democracy, but I think this uh, gentleman who came uh, to represent B'Tselem, uh, it is a shame to see an Israeli coming to New York, coming to the UN uh, and speaking against uh, our IDF, against our government. Uh, I was not proud of uh, being in Israeli when I saw... These gentlemen speaking.
0: The, uh, the the gentleman you referred to has referred to IDF soldiers as murderers. Did he do that on the floor of the uh, of the United Nations as well?
6: Unfortunately, Nahum, he called them uh, war criminals. Wow. And, you know, he, he blamed the IDF, he blamed the government, and even blamed the Supreme Court because once the Supreme Court decided that we have to evacuate uh, Palestinian illegal houses, he said it, 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 it's illegal. But when it comes to to Jewish communities. And we had experience with Minetiva Avot, Migron, other locations that nobody spoke about it. So it was a a real chutzpah. And in the middle of my speech, I approached him in Hebrew, and I told him, shame on you. Shame on you for collaborating with our enemies and coming here while the idea of soldiers are now on the borders protecting you. But, you know, when you look at the Jewish history, world with those radicals who, unfortunately, worked with our enemies.
0: You know, it's interesting that um, you pointed out, and, and this is, again, something that we know from our history, uh, there have been plenty of members of the Jewish community uh, for thousands of years who have unfortunately uh, gone ahead and to the rest of the world represented us terribly. The only thing I do want to point out uh, from that and from this episode yesterday is that you brilliantly proclaimed that this does uh, this does uh, um, remind us about the democracy that Israel is. And as you just said earlier in this conversation, if anybody from most other countries would go ahead and make these types of declarations in front of the entire world at the UN, they would not be able to go back to the country that they live in. So if there is a silver lining, I guess that would be it, huh?
6: Actually, it was very effective. And I I think the fact that this guy from Becherem was so radical, he was more radical than the Palestinian representative, even the the ambassador understood that it is a show. It was brought to defame Israel, uh, and it was not effective, uh, spreading those lies. And it's unfortunate that you, you see those radical organizations, they don't speak in Israel anymore. They don't try to convince the Israelis. They come to the UN, they go to Europe. And by the way, I expose that they sell and receive funding from the EU. So this is a hypocrisy when you have European countries paying to this radical organization and then inviting him to give... So-called testimony in the Security
0: Council. Yeah, and they don't want to. Uh, they don't want to do what you've done publicly, which is a call for the indictment or at least the condemnation of Mahmoud Abbas. Because, as you pointed out, the destruction and misery of the people who live in Gaza and areas like that is all. Be, it's all self-destruction by the leaders of the PA and those who are surrounding him. And the General Assembly, the Security Council—they never want to recognize that.
6: Uh, Indeed, and and we expose facts. That's what I do every time at the UN. And we show that Abbas is uh, allocating 7% of his budget to pay terrorists. Uh, And the terrorist who is running away, who killed two innocent Israelis in Barkhane, we will find him. He will pay a price. He will be in jail for the rest of his life if he will be caught alive, which I'm not sure we want him to be caught alive. But Abbas will pay him too. Abbas will pay him $3 million over the years. So I told those countries, stop paying them stop sponsoring terrorism. The U.S., Australia, and other countries uh, pass legislation regarding this issue. We hope to see other countries joining us.
0: U.N. Ambassador from Israel to the U.N. and Ambassador Denny Danone is with us. Okay, Mr. Ambassador, I'm sure you agree with me that I've spoken to you for about six minutes so far and there are listeners who are not happy that I haven't asked you about Nikki Haley. Your reaction to her announcement that as of the end of 2018 she'll be leaving the U.N.?
6: Ambassador Hailey, she's a great friend of Israel. She will always be a great friend of Israel. Uh, unfortunately, she decided to leave at the end of the year. But we are still continuing to work together. Uh, and we are grateful for what we achieved together. The changes that uh, we, we achieved at the UN, you cannot change them overnight. Uh, and we will continue to work with the new ambassador. But, you know, I, I told her that we are grateful. And uh, I, I'm sure that we will see her coming back. I don't know in which position. And she will
0: be always a friend of us. Don't you agree that she would be an amazing candidate for high office in the United States?
6: Well, you know, always I say that I'm not getting involved in, in American politics, <laughs> but uh, on this issue, uh, I, I can say that uh, we will be very happy to see her in any public position because we need friends, and Ambassador Haley, she's a real friend of Israel.
0: And what is your reaction to the rumor that the current U.S. ambassador to Germany might be taking her place? Well,
6: I know Mr. Garnell is a good friend of Israel, uh, but I don't know. I don't know whether uh, uh, he will be the ambassador. I think President Trump hinted that uh, he wants to put a woman in this position, especially after Ambassador Haley uh, represented the U.S. in such an impressive way. But uh, I think in the next week or, or two weeks from now, we will know who will be replacing Ambassador Haley in the corridor of the U.N.
0: And finally, Ambassador Danone, uh, you've been outspoken about uh, uh, sanctions on Iran. You've made a comment recently about additional sanctions on Iran. You said Iran's terrorism and human rights violations could be stopped by imposing suffocating economic sanctions. Aren't those sanctions suffocating already?
6: Uh, it's working. Uh, beginning of November, there will be more sanctions. And uh, when I speak with Europeans, I tell them, stop. Stop with the games. It's not going to help you. You cannot bypass those sanctions. They are trying to give incentives to governments, uh, to companies to work with Iran. It's not working. We saw Volvo, Total, other huge corporations announcing that they will, they will join the sanctions. And I think uh, if the Europeans will join the leadership of the U.S., Iran will have no choice. The economy will collapse and the sanctions will become much more effective.
0: Ambassador, you know, we have such a good phone connection, finally. I hesitate to let you go, but I know you're busy. I <laughs> I, I am sure, you know, this week was Yom Aliyah. This week, because of Parashat Lechelcha, was Yom Aliyah in Israel. Uh, and I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts to tell us, those who live outside of Israel, about Israel during this auspicious parasha.
6: Well, you know, when you see the, the hate with uh, the lies, but you just need to go to parasha and understand the, our rights to the land. So it starts with the biblical uh, rights of uh, Avraham, and it goes to the international law. But I think for us, you know, after such an intensive week, to read the parasha and to understand that we should be proud of what we have, and we should not be shy about our rights, our biblical rights to Israel.
0: You know you're really amazing. I, I, I speaking of higher office, I, ho- I hope you're going to be in an even higher office uh, very soon. Tadara, ambassador Danone. have a wonderful
6: Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat
0: Shalom and Tadara, to you. He's amazing, ambassador Danny Danone always, uh, always gets it right, and um, such a great representative for the state of Israel and the Jewish people at the United Nations. We did ask him about Nikki Haley, everybody. We knew what he would say. Great admirer of hers. Will always be a friend of Israel. And, of course, uh, all the uh, all the different things, the circus-like atmosphere of the UN this week, a great opportunity to catch up with uh, Israel's representative, Israel's ambassador at the United Nations. Friday morning broadcast, Erev Shabbat, Parashat Lech Lecha, candle lighting at 549 in the uh, New York area. Plenty more coming up if you keep it right here at JM in the AM, including the weekly update. Malcolm Holline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He joins us 7.40 Eastern time here at JM in the AM. Oh,
1: Matsatis temi ligin, she Yehudi mumrim behol mako Alma od i
7: He uvini, he malkini, he machinini. There he was she, I mean, he elekini, he uvini, he malkini, he machinini. There he he elekini, he uvini, he malkini, he machinini.
1: Sure y más i <laughs> a
0: J.M. in the A.M., Mordechai Shapiro. We're going to use that Kol haderech selection to say happy birthday to uh, somebody who's in our audience whose code name is YWC. <laughs> so YWC, happy birthday from all of us here at J.M. in the A.M. Shim Kramer before that with Aisha S'chail. You heard Shimmy Engel in there with Shaynis, Yishtabach done by Yaakov Shweki. And my thanks to Ambassador Danny Danone for joining us. Uh, always great to hear from him. Uh, especially during such an active week at the uh, UN, Friday morning broadcast on this era of Shabbos Parsha Lech Lecha candle lighting at 5:49 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Big thank you to our friends at OnlySimchas. dot com. dot com continues to um, utilize our content for some of their great news feed items that people are discovering on a daily basis every single day. You should go to OnlySimchas and to check out um, all the different news stories they have from around the Jewish world. And don't forget jewishworldreview.com. jewishworldreview.com gives you an opportunity to print out literally, certainly hundreds, thousands if you really wanted to, uh, articles about Israel and the Jewish world, and check them out over Shabbos. And of course, you uh, you have permission to read it during the week as well on your computer at jewishworldreview.com. Dot com. Malcolm Honline standing by. We'll get to him in just a moment. I want to remind everybody that Monday night we'll be at StaffCon with NCSY in the OU up in Connecticut. That broadcast will start just before 6 p.m. Obviously, we'll re- we'll repeat it the next morning starting during the JM Rewind slot at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. So whether you're a nighttime listener or a daytime listener, you'll have an opportunity to check out our show uh, with NCSY StaffCon. Uh, happening on Monday night. As we said earlier, Aryeh Kunstler will be there, and it's a very exciting lineup um, uh, that we'll be uh, featuring on Monday. Also, uh, October 31st, October 31st, that's the 18th anniversary celebration for Yeshiva Noam. We will be there that morning. We'll give the exact schedule next week, but we will be there that morning, likely past 9 a.m., into the heart of the school day. At Yeshivat Naum in Paramus, New Jersey, as they celebrate their 18th anniversary. We wish Rabbi Hagler and everybody there a very happy anniversary. And don't forget that the Kalbach special is this Thursday. Reb Shlomo Kalbach's yard site is um, Wednesday night, Thursday, our Kalbach special, JM in the AM, this coming Thursday morning. Been a tradition of ours since his passing 24 years ago, so we'll have that for you again Thursday morning here at JM in the AM, Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM.
8: Yeah, Boko to you and everyone. Appreciate and that.
0: Good uh, Erev Shabbos. The, um, well, this episode, this rocket that uh, was fired from Gaza to Beersheba reminded us of the, of the daily uh, trauma and the daily danger that Jewish families are in, and it seems, uh, you know, not, not just near the Gaza Strip, but in other areas as well, down south and other areas of Israel. And thank God this, uh, this mother of the Tala family had the uh, wherewithal uh, in a matter of less than one minute to get her kids into the, uh, into the safe room. And to save her life and their lives, they're left with nothing. I'm sure you won't mind if I take a second just to remind everybody that if they go to GoFundMe.com, if you go to the GoFundMe uh, webpage, uh, the, what you want to search for is the Tala family, T-A-L-A. It is a $25,000 goal. They're at about 9000 as of now. We uh, request and encourage everybody to give because they are left with nothing. Malcolm, what does this episode in Bear Beersheva remind us of this week?
8: Well, there's several things, uh, and you used the word which is very important because it's so often overlooked, and that's the trauma. And uh, I spoke to people who lived uh, closer to Tel Aviv who heard the other explosion, another rocket hit, as they said, near a big city, and it fell into the water, thank God, but there were other mortar fires, and uh, they heard, then they heard the response uh, to it. But the, the fear and the trauma that you never know, that in the middle of the night you'll have 15 seconds or 20 seconds to take your family and, and get into the safe room. And that this uh, mother, quick thinking, a single mother with three children, rounded them up. And when you look at the damage done to her house where wow. the roof and the side were sheared off, yeah. I mean, a total destruction of, uh, of a, a concrete building. And the fear and trauma that, that accompany it, that is ongoing. You know that twenty percent of the children, I think, even the people in the south have certain symptoms of post distress uh, symptoms. Uh, and now respiratory illnesses coming from the burning of the tires and the uh, the um, balloons, the fires from the balloons, which have uh, destroyed about half of the forest area in in uh, near the Gaza border in the Gaza area uh, of Israel, and the the uh, t- um, tens of thousands of acres i think ten thousand acres i mean have, have probably been destroyed between the forests and the um, farmland and adjacent areas, and the destruction the economic loss other things it 's completely lost people don 't think about the human cost the the economic cost the, the price that is being paid. For Israel's tolerance and the you know level of frustration is growing. People living in the region are getting angry at the government because they feel that they haven't uh, sufficiently responded. And this is has always been a red line. That a missile on Beersheba uh, is um, you know crosses that red line. Israel struck back during the night, hit many sites, but if you notice, they did not. There were no reports of civilian casualties that Israel, again, carried out this retaliation and in the tradition of the army seeking to
0: avoid civilian uh, casualties. Wait a moment. The New York Times headline that everyone's bringing to everyone's attention this week, that, Israel, that the Times did not focus on the episode, but rather focused on Israel's response, didn't they indicate, even in the headline, that there were either injuries or or deaths? Am I wrong? I,
8: said that? Any, I meant any deaths. Ah, okay, but, got, uh, got it. Okay, go that uh, and, and just think about, carrying out 20 raids, and, and you don't have... Uh, and, and I frankly don't think that Israel uh, should be held to account... Right, correct. <laughs> they were, because right. they're putting civilians right. in, in harm's way, and that's why we have the new legislation right. Congress passed exactly about putting up human shields, and both houses uh, passed this. Uh, and when you see uh, by, such bipartisanship in support of it, as we saw in both the House and Senate, it's a very rare thing in Washington because people, uh, the leadership, uh, is repulsed by by this idea.
0: And becoming rarer, another topic we'll get to later today. Okay. Right? It is becoming rarer. we got to be careful that the, all these bipartisan supports that we're seeing in Congress and getting used, and have gotten used to for decades, it might be getting rarer and rarer. It is, it is and we'll have to see what the outcome yeah. of uh, the, uh,
8: the midterm elections will be about whether... We'll have, uh, you know, each house under a different party, which will make uh, cooperation perhaps even more tense as everybody then focuses on the next uh, the next presidential
0: election. Right. All right. So you, you mentioned that, you know, in the aftermath of this attack of these rockets, the uh, you know, some people are frustrated the government hasn't sufficiently responded. I, I know it's sometimes not easy to answer this question, but has the government... Sufficiently responded. I mean we we know about the strikes. You just mentioned should they be doing more should they be should there be a more You know d- direct and uh, and and more powerful response when a big city is hit Well any when any city is hit but certainly a big city like Beersheba.
8: So the it, it, you know, it's a good question uh, but I don't know that there's a good answer for somebody who's a civilian who's not sitting there You right. know people ask me why did not iron dome take take down the rocket, right? It's a very good question, and it's a question we posed yesterday to the spokesman for the IDF. There were,
0: there were even people who conjectured that, that rightfully so, yeah. the mother could have relied on that, could have said to herself, you know, there's a siren, but Iron Dome will get it,
8: and as it has so often in the past. Right. But as you know, Iron Dome is programmed a certain way. It could have been that that misread it or whatever. I can't. I right. don't want to speculate on mm-hmm. it because uh, you know we don't know all of the technical details or other reasons why it, it wasn't used or and i'm sure that i eventually will get a some sort of an explanation um, but the 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 fact that this uh line was crossed is not just a matter in in beersheba it's across israel i've heard reaction from people from all over leaders elected officials others uh about the concern about the escalation but remember that israel uh as independent as it is and has to make decisions on its own there are other influences. We don't know the warnings that they got. The, the Egyptians uh, promising to to renew the negotiations, or the Hamas and, and Islamic Jihad. Both of them denied that they fired it, and both said that they're initiating investigations to find out who did it. You know, but Hamas is in charge, and you can't walk away when you're in charge. You bear a responsibility for for controlling your borders and what happens within them. Uh, so Israel. Uh, takes and has to take into account a lot of things, and one of them is w- when you escalate further. If you, the next stage would be perhaps a cross-border invasion. What is the cost? Is Hamas setting a trap for them? Are they trying to draw them in? Do they want to make it, and then the international community will impose, come in and intervene and impose upon Israel? because it's the only one they can, um, further restrictions or, or complications. So there are many considerations that, that they have to take into account, not all of which we know. Uh, and and uh, certainly um, IDF has, not been, has been very concerned, and uh, I know that uh, some of them are frustrated as well about the ongoing uh, nature of this, that there just comes some point where you can't tolerate it. Yeah. No country in the world would put up with this for so long, and and they don't know, we don't know, because the media is hardly covering the day-to-day operations that are taking place there, how many times there are cross-border incursions, and that uh, the young soldiers of the IDF are sitting there 24-7, watching, it's, it's tense, it's, uh, you know, you're there hour after hour after hour, uh, just watching, and they have all sorts of other um, means, but you know, you have to look to the sky, if there are rockets coming, you look to the, to the ground because they come across the border, they put IEDs and, and other explosives along the fence, they, they uh, shoot at them, they, they hide behind civilians and shoot, and and they have to look underground. You know, they, they took out the 16th tunnel in the past year, this week, and there's an estimate that there are 30 tunnels. And that there are and and there are dozens more that are quote defensive, which means that they are used to hide soldiers and hide equipment. But they're not cross border into Israel as much as they are used to to uh, uh, stop Israel bombing their, their depots and stuff. So they hide stuff underground, or they can move soldiers underground uh, without being detected as they have it in in the north. But they they've taken out these sixteen tunnels and they're developing Hamas is develop new methods and new materials to try to avoid detection. And as Israel increases the technological ability, and they have uh, various means through intelligence, through uh, ground sensors, through um, aerial surveillance, they have various means of detecting uh, these tunnels and constantly developing more because they want to prevent them. And as you know, these are not simple tunnels people don't realize uh, i think the our audience does but the general public how sophisticated how much is invested in it at a time when everybody's screaming that about the money for unrun you got to send in money for gaza they're spending millions of dollars on tunnels mm-hmm. and the and nobody holds them to account for it where's the u.n resolutions where where is the response congress has been moving and are they've been um, going after Hezbollah and Hamas affiliates, they're imposing uh, new measures all the time. There are sanctions being imposed uh, on groups. The problem is that they don't care. They don't care if the people suffer. They don't care about the consequences of it. because And and remember what Hamas leaders said themselves. This is a diversion. It's not a march of return. It's a diversion from the internal situation in uh, Gaza.
0: Right. Uh, back to the responses for one more point. Uh, I think the that sometimes citizens, um, and I would love to know what military experts think of this because they may think it, they, they may just dismiss this comment frankly uh, uh, out of hand. But I, I think sometimes citizens just need to need some type of reassurance, need some type of episode where it looks like um, their country or their defense is is there for them. And I don't know if these responses. Of uh, of you know firing into Gaza or you know uh, or, or air in Gaza are enough at this point for the average Israeli citizen who just wants to see stronger action. Again, I don't know if one ever takes um, military action for moral support of the country, you know, for the morale of of the country. But I I think that that's what people are looking for, frankly.
8: I do think that. Morale is a critical part of a country's security and defense, as is the support of outside parties. As there are many components that go into uh, into the security of a country, and the psychological aspects are equally important. If people uh, lose faith or lose hope, and you can see they're not moving from there, they're not running from the Gaza area. These are people who are heroes every single day, as they go around their lives, knowing that their children in a in a kindergarten or in a school. Yeah who they in their lives will have you know a few seconds to get down to to the uh, protected areas knowing that the IDF is doing um, uh, what it can uh, the United States uh, you know designated five groups including Hezbollah as these um, transnational criminal organizations Hamas as well I think the the um, uh, but we also understand that the government natural response, the IDF's natural response, would be to go in and root out this cancer. But it's not so simple.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Also one of our listeners on the app pointed out that during the newscast that we played almost an hour ago from Ghalay Tzal, this um, declaration of cooperation was discussed between the U.S. and Israel on environmental issues. They signed some cooperation package, and this is at the same time, as you pointed out rightfully last week, that there is being nothing. Uh, that nothing is being done regarding the Kite Intifada and just the environmental part of it. Uh, we don't even see the U.S. or, frankly, anybody responding to what the enemy is doing to these thousands and whatever the number is acres of land.
8: The, the, the European Union finally came out with a sta- statement against uh, – um, said that the against the rockets and the mortars uh, must stop – but and then they said that indiscriminate attacks against civilian uh, populations are not acceptable. So, discriminate attacks are acceptable. <laughs> I mean, it's just that, that no one can come out and just say blanketly no more, no more aid, no more anything, no more uh, defending them, and that the that there have to be strong stands taken. And I do not fault. I think Congress and others, uh, the administration, uh, have been very outspoken. Uh, but, you know, it really is going to boil down to Israel and Egypt. And we've seen that the um, Egyptian-Israeli military cooperation continues and, and um, uh, you know, is working. But at the same time, we've seen some pretty harsh speeches by President Sisi, uh, whether it's for domestic consumption or to satisfy, you know, forces who don't like the fact that Israel, and they are cooperating so much, but the, uh, you know, Israel... Has to take into account the pressures that come from others saying, "Don't, don't take this to 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 a higher level." You know, the PA, like Hamas, doesn't feel any restrictions. Israel gets uh, uh, criticized and more for protecting its borders and who comes into its country and making a decision that every country can make. But the Palestinian Authority can issue edicts that it's high treason to sell to a Jew, and now arrested a guy yesterday, a Palestinian-American, because he supposedly got a $25,000 commission for the sale of a house in Yerushalayim, the old city, to, to, to Jews, and that they can have um, these, these uh, bans and take any kind of radical action, which will not be tolerated anywhere. And yet, where's the reaction? I just called up and I, I said to people, how can you just tolerate this? They go to the International Criminal Court against Israel over every spurious charge in the world, and yet here you can impose a ban on selling houses to Jews. Nobody said they stole it. Nobody said they, they paid full price, and sometimes much more than full price, and, and, and you can kill a person because it's high treason.
0: Unbelievable. Double standard doesn't even uh, begin to describe it. Malcolm Holmline with us. He's Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. And this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world and the web, at com, on the Nachum Siegel Network, and of course on the beloved... NSN app. All right, a couple of things um, uh, regarding uh, embassy slash consulate. So first of all, the, if I have this right, and just tell me if I got the story right, the the the, um, the American consulate in Jerusalem that we, I believe, had been using for all these decades—that's the one near Sharshem, If I have it right, this is now going to be moved into the embassy building in Jerusalem.
8: No. Oh, uh, so- uh, not that. No, it's the one. Uh, near the um, Waldorf Astoria, right across from the-, oh, the hotel. Yes,
0: I know where that is. Oh, so, well, I don't understand why the why the uh, the, the PA was going crazy about this. Then,
8: well, so um, first of all, so this this is an anomaly. It's the only situation in the world where a consulate doesn't report to the embassy of that country, but directly to Jerusalem, and this was part of the. Uh, political argument against uh, was that the it would recognize unify, unified Jerusalem, etc. cetera. This uh, this consulate served uh, the people from the West Bank right. and even Gaza, some uh, in Gaza uh, interests, and the uh, the the consul general serving there often was at odds, and I can tell you sometimes really tense odds. Uh, it, to the point that they didn't talk to the ambassador, and the ambassador didn't talk to them. Uh, they traditionally uh, were more Arabist, uh, though some of them were really wonderful people and very fair and and uh, um, and even sympathetic to Israel. But uh, it, it, it was known what the job was about, and the uh, and for many years people talked about this issue that uh, you know that the consulate should still report to Jerusalem. It doesn't prejudge anything as as secretary pompeo secretary of state pompeo said yesterday not prejudging the borders we're not prejudging anything else it just it doesn't make any sense you have now that the embassy is in jerusalem so what sense does it have that the consulate doesn't report to to the ambassador so what they did is that they merged those consular services which will remain in that building under the authority of the embassy and uh, you know, it's a perfectly rational uh, move, I think, and and um, doesn't change anything. The Palestinians obviously went crazy and and said it's the final blow, it's uh, and all sorts of things. But you know what? The longer they stay away, the more things will happen, and the, the, um, uh, the this is a fact on the ground that is not a, a necessarily a, a, to be interpreted as. It certainly doesn't preempt any of the final status issues, as uh, the Secretary said. But Arakat and all of the other usual voices came out and saying, oh, they abandoned long-held tenants. And, of course, it's a long-held tenant. That was a mistake all along. And uh, now this was corrected.
0: Okay, so I've got – so now, just to clear this up, because I've only thought this for about the last 40 years, that's all. The the only U.S. consulate building – in Jerusalem is the one you just described, um, which no, I, I
8: think that there is another one, uh, but this is the official.
0: So, so the other one so was it,
8: providing services. Actually, where the embassy is was was a uh, consular building. Right. Correct.
0: Correct. But but so it is possible. But
8: this, is the, this is the consulate.
0: So it is possible that near the that either right inside or right outside the Christian. Or Muslim quarter in the old city there was or still might be a consular office it's possible
8: there could be some US uh, office but this consulate is right is this
0: and when people would walk into the one that you described and I'm looking at where it is on the map right now so now of course you know I'm like it's on our grown street yeah, yeah it's right by the Waldorf as you said when people would walk in there was it under the direction of of mostly Arab uh, personnel Okay, so maybe that's what I'm thinking. That 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 that's what frustrated people. That when they had to go and take care of things, uh, it was in fact Arab personnel. But that-
8: everybody walking on that street, you would see that there's a, boot, a little booth outside, yeah, 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 and you saw all the big black cars right. uh, parked there, right. And uh, there was there's a high wall uh, around it. It's actually very nice inside. There's a nice garden area, and there were people who said that that's what they, where they should have put the embassy at, uh, at the time, but. Obviously the facility they chose seems to be more appropriate, Right, Understood. and this, um, keeping the same building and providing the same service means that, that the people who were using it before can use it now. The only thing is that it will report to the embassy.
0: What have you heard about a possibility of Australia moving its embassy to Jerusalem?
8: Well, it goes on and off. They've come under a lot of pressure and threats. Uh, Indonesia yesterday told them that it would change their relationship. Wow. Uh, I think that, that uh, some of the statements went beyond where the Australians were at, but he did indicate uh, readiness to consider it and has continued in that, but I, I don't know that it's imminent.
0: I spoke earlier in this show with Ambassador Danone, who had a pretty active week at the uh, at the UN. First of all, uh, what do you think of this rumor that the US Ambassador to Germany might uh, take over for Nikki Haley?
8: Ambassador Grinnell is a very good guy, very strong friend of Israel. <clears throat> um, but uh, I think that uh, right now there are other candidates who are more likely.
0: And uh, Ambassador Danone said he said if you pay careful attention to the president, meaning Donald Trump, it looks like he's uh, leaning toward replacing Nikki Haley with another woman. Uh, that
8: the- that is most likely. oh so they- that is what their intention was, at least what I heard.
0: Uh, so there you go. Uh, yesterday, uh, uh, Bitzalem had a representative invited by Bolivia to speak to the UN Security Council. The ambassador pointed out that uh, that if any that that if that if if a if a country, um, obviously you know, showing the difference between Israel and other countries, if a country had a representative that spoke against its uh, government and its army go to some uh, international body around the world, they would not be welcomed back into their country. I'm sure you agree with that.
8: They, they wouldn't be welcome, and they wouldn't tolerate it in mm. most countries in the world. Uh, democracies, unfortunately uh, or fortunately, uh, do allow sometimes even acts that appear to betray uh, the the, the uh, country. And I think um, um, you know it, it, it's really outrageous that that they go and they give, in a place that is so hostile to Israel, if you want to argue it, argue it in Israel. Right. You have a free press. You have free right. opportunities. Go to the I'm sure there are people in the Knesset that they do go, that um, um, to to make the case, that uh, their, their case. So you know, we believe in freedom of speech. We believe people have a right to, to whatever view that they want. I think they have to be responsible. Going before the UN and to to, to lash out at Israel in that way, I think goes.
0: Cross many red lines. Yeah, and for those of us who are uh, of the opinion and have grown up in an atmosphere where one does not publicly, as you just indicated, uh, criticize Israel or its army, then it's completely outrageous, certainly. well, I, I'm trying to understand this whole thing with Canada. When, why do they feel a responsibility when UNRWA is underfunded or, you know, or the U.S. or others take away certain uh, you know, aspects of funding, they step in to fill the void? I would think that they would go along with the U.S. on these decisions.
8: Well, first, the U.S. provides a quarter of the funding to most U.N. agencies, so cutting them out is, is important. But the argument, I think, made before, where they come and, they, you know, uh, everybody bleeding for the Palestinians in Gaza, and many of the people are innocent victims of this as well, I mean, it's not their decision. And you see that many of them are very dissatisfied with Hamas leadership, Hamas rule, but they can spend millions and millions of dollars on tunnels. So and and the leadership of Hamas lives very well. The people don't, they, you know. The electricity is cut off to, except for a few hours a day. But you have to remember that you know Gaza is like an onion. You have layer upon layer, yeah. and you peel off one layer, which is Hamas versus, uh, let's say, Palestinian Islamic Jihad and other domestic forces. You have Hamas versus the PA. And the PA demanding that the electricity be cut off and that fuel not be going. Then you have Israel. Then you have the roles of Iran, Turkey, Qatar, others outside players. Certainly Egypt. There's so it's such a complex issue, and there's so many layers on layers. And uh, you know the boldness of the uh, of Hamas leadership, who hide, uh, don't put themselves in harm's way, but send civilians in the front row, and then. Shoot, have the people shooting and it's clearly organized and many of the people are paid to come there and uh, all the stories. So the the, um, the services supposedly will be assumed by others in the international community, like the schools and things like that should go on, but not the textbooks they were using, which again, studies show that just in recent days that they that the textbooks are, are worse than ever and didn't change the textbooks and that the PA, by the way, the same. And, uh, and and you, then you see the laws, uh, uh, you know, that's selling to, to a Jew in the PA, let alone in Hamas, and the the world's press keeps talking as if Israel is somehow in Gaza yep. oppressing the people when there isn't a single soldier or presence
0: inside Gaza anymore. Did Israel's Supreme Court make the right decision about the BDS student at Hebrew University? Uh
8: I would say that I'm not sure this thing was handled uh, smart from the beginning. I mean, she renounced her previous activities. Um, I would say there's good reason to doubt the the renunciation. Uh, I think that at least she's been put on notice and will not engage in in those activities. But why doesn't a country have a right to say, you know, we have standards. There are people who, who work to undermine the security of the country, to call for economic boycotts and that we're saying then you don't have the privilege of coming in. It's not a right to come into any country you want. Many countries bar people. Now they shouldn't do it on racial grounds or religious grounds or other things discriminatory, but on a security grounds and the fact that that people who are the leaders, uh, I mean I think some of it has been mishandled, uh, the PR aspects of this are terrible. Uh, I think there are different ways uh, things that could have been done. Uh, and, and this one, almost from the beginning, I think they would have been smarter once she announced or renounced her previous activities. Um, to have taken advantage and used that as a PR thing, saying, look, here you see somebody and get her to go on record saying that it was a mistake and right. that the, what the BDS movement really is about.
0: Yeah, acknowledge those who do tshuva, at least. Uh, maybe she'll go on a tour now, describing how amazing it is that Israel, even with her background, went ahead and let her in. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't count on that to pursue her studies. Hey, why doesn't Twitter take what I would think would be the easier route and just condemn and ban uh, Louis Farrakhan? i have no idea why. Wouldn't that be the easier? Yeah,
8: but not the politicians and all the others who are pictured with him, who are seen with him when he called Jews what termites. Now he said he's an anti-termite, not an anti-Semite. Right. Uh, I mean, this is not funny. This is not a joke. He's influences many people, and the fact that, that officials were pictured with him, that others are pictured in what and what was it, Aretha F- Franklin's yeah, uh, funeral, funeral yeah. where uh, pre- former President Clinton and others, uh, I mean, what other person would David Duke be given that kind of legitimacy and that kind of presence? It's, it's simply just so outrageous. And what are they afraid of? I mean, they, that they won't take a stand against this guy?
0: I don't know. That's really my question is what they're afraid of. I wonder why it isn't easier and to their benefit to just ban him completely with comments like that. They would probably do it to a lot of, you know, lower profile people, frankly.
8: Lower profile or anybody who, who engaged in uh, homophobic or racist or, or bigoted uh, behavior and comments, but a, a guy who incites on a constant basis against Jews. I mean, it's it's incredible. and <laughs> You know, we all have to hold these people to account. They should not be welcomed. They should not be, you know, excused and uh, and then overlooked until uh, you know till the next uh, move again. It's because we it's tolerated. All
0: right, got to ask you about this defense system. Former U.S. At the Shade of Russia Brigadier General Peter Zwack has said that Israel is to destroy the S three hundred defense system offered by Russia to Syria. Zwak said, quote, at the end, the time when the Israeli planes target S-300 defense system owned by the Syrian army is coming. This is an important issue for Israel. It will not remain silent. The presence, now I'm not quoting anymore, the presence of the S-400 defense system in the Russian military base in Syria's region is not a worry for Israel, but the Syrian regime owning the S-300 missile system is, according to Zwak. What is going on here? Have they purchased or are they being given this defense system by Russia?
8: So uh, I made this point uh, a couple weeks ago about the distinction about the missiles that are in the hands of the Russians and under control and the question will be who will control the s-300 They said it will take months a long time till the Syrians are capable of using it and we saw how they botched the use of the of the missiles that they have um, the s200 uh, when they took down the Russian, Aircraft. It wasn't Israel that did it, it was Syrians. Uh, and Israel's now paying the price for, right. for that because the military has to cover for its uh, embarrassment and uh, its face. And uh, even though President Putin at first uh, you know, opposed it, this was a concession to them because the military is very important. Uh, and I think he didn't want to allow confrontation. But the question is, who will, who will control the trigger on it? will they have all of the capabilities will this s-300 have all the capabilities it's already been shipped and um, israel has the means to counter it right now there is a secret exercise going on in the ukraine now it's not a secret uh, (laughs) where u.s israel and others um, and f-15s can be seen flying in the air where they're training against the s-300 which which ukraine has Uh, and um, uh, and these are joint exercises to prepare. It is a, a game changer. It, it poses tremendous complications because if they're Russians manning them, and Israel takes them out, then Russians would be killed, which is something Israel obviously wants to avoid uh, to whatever degree they can. Um, and. Uh, and it, it, denying Israel the freedom of action in the skies is also intolerable because they can't allow all of these weapons. You see how more sophisticated weapons are reaching Hezbollah. That they have now the precision guidance systems on the missiles and they expanding the number of missiles. You see that even Hamas has more sophisticated and uh, longer-range uh, weapons. So the um, you know the S three hundred is is very critical, and Russia has to make decisions about what it wants to see. Uh, Syria become. Uh, they are very concerned about Iran's uh, dominance there, and and uh, long term uh, the influence is, uh, that is growing all the time because they're bringing people in because they have the militias, they have the Hezbollah, etc. Uh, in the country, and ir- Russia's true presence there is much is very limited. It's mostly aircraft, and they have their bases now there, but uh, they don't have the tens of thousands of troops that Iran has in the country and uh, so it, you know Syria is still a big question it, it doesn't get again the day to day attention that should about what's going on that maybe half a million people have been killed or millions and millions of refugees oh, are they going to come back what what's the nature of Syria going to be in the future uh, how do you protect and how does Israel protect its border uh, you know that the, you the, have all of these different forces the Iranian militia, Hezbollah the, their own troops that the, the, some of the radical groups, ISIS and others, all near Israel's border. It's uh, you know it will be an ongoing challenge.
0: Um, by the way, listener reaction. Uh, listener Devorah says they had a fire kite land in the Huda region last that's, week. That's right, which is quite north of Gaza, as you can attest to.
8: And and that's part, part another issue which I, I didn't mention a while ago that they attached IEDs now, you know, yeah. uh, explosive devices. Uh, they have um, managed to get a longer range for uh, uh, the kites. One landed in a, in a schoolyard, and others elsewhere. But she's right, and, uh, the, and that is another concern for Israel. And one of uh, our oh, and, and, and and it's very hard to to take them out. Everybody says, "Well, why don't they just eliminate?" it? They do. They go after the sources. They go after the headquarters, from where you know the guys in charge of the balloon brigade, and and. You know, this is not haphazard things where kids are just sitting there blowing up balloons and attaching, uh, you know, fuel to them. Every day has a theme in the, in the in the demonstrations in Gaza. The Mondays or Sundays are always naval days, and each day has a different theme. And they repeat it every every week. It's really highly organized, as is the recruitment and the, the way they get people to the to the demonstrations uh, and uh, organize them once they're there.
0: All right, and, and finally, maybe we'll start with this next week. I don't know if we have enough time for it now, but I mean, everybody, and I include this show, and obviously, uh, in, in your leadership role, you've done this a million times, Bring in leaders from different areas to, to, to really make themselves clear on certain issues. As this is going on, this New York Times article, which has which has really called out the Democrats and, uh, and what appears to be them abandoning Israel to an extent, and their reaction to it, I mean, People like Chuck Schumer and other Democratic leaders in Congress ha- have got to address this. have got to you know, give us their opinion about what's going on. You know, one of the uh, the, the polls are all over the place in terms of, you know, uh, Palestinian support now among congressional candidates. But when, when the New York Post points out that Kirsten Gillibrand, and I remind you she's from New York, has come out against the same Israel anti-boycott bill that she once co-sponsored, that New Jersey's Cory Booker voted against Taylor Force, and Vermont's Bernie Sanders has tried to place three anti-Israel activists on the twenty-six 26- Democratic Platform Committee two years ago. I mean, there, there is definitely some, there's something going on here. Now, no one has their pulse or their hand on the pulse of the of the national parties, especially in Congress, the way you do. Is, is, what would you call, how would you classify this? Is it a small trend? Is there a reason to panic? Is it somewhere in between?
8: What I can tell you is I spend a great deal of, of every week, and for the last couple of months on this issue, um, I've reached out to some of the people you mentioned without satisfaction. Uh, I know that there are many Democrats who are deeply concerned about it. Uh, we are—we've been talking to the National Democratic Parties, the unions, to to supporters, to others. And once the election is over, this election is over. We are going to be doing more high-profile efforts. In this regard, we cannot afford to write off the Democratic Party. We cannot afford just to say what the statistics show that less than forty percent support in the Democratic Party, eighty percent in the Republican Party. You know, in politics, if if people are indifferent, don't care, and they don't vote, then they don't matter. When it comes to support for Israel, everybody matters. And we cannot allow Israel to become or be perceived as a partisan issue. It's not right. one party or the other. Right. And as we see the center disappear in the more the more and more partisanship, uh, we can't let Israel be caught in the middle of that vice, that the, because President Trump is so publicly supportive of Israel, so those who are against President Trump then strike out against Israel. It's a phenomenon we've seen in other places, even in Canada, under Harper, etc. So uh, you're right, this is much too long uh, an issue and more complicated, uh, but I am disappointed in... In the behavior of when you look at voting records, you look at support uh, for Taylor Force for for, uh, and this is putting aside the Iran, the JCPOA right. uh, issue. I'm talking about more recent pieces uh, of of uh, legislation, including uh, the B D S legislation. Um, you know, these are matters of concern, and and people who represent states with large Jewish populations are seen as a barometer. There is there is going to be in Congress a new group uh, who are uh, Democrats. Um, I would not say that this is some the Democratic Party wants or endorses, but they their major issue is cutting aid to Israel, and you know some of the names and people. There's a small group. I think Congress overall may be more supportive than the last one. That that there were people who are not as supportive who are not coming back. We'll have to see the outcome and who who controls the houses, but. Uh, I think that the pro-Israel um, uh, percentages may, may change, but the overall direction won't. And the, uh, but we're going to have to do much more. We have to hold elected officials to account. That means uh, asking them what they've done, how, what bills did they initiate, what uh, steps did they take. Uh, just as as we deal with the anti-Semitism and have to deal with it in a much more serious and organized way, as we see the number of incidents, and especially here in New York, the last weeks and the numbers of reported incidents is nothing comparable to the real number of of incidents. Right. So, who sits in Congress? Who sits in, in in people who say, "Well, we have a president friendly." No, Congress is equally important, and even most important is the American people, and. We will be able to talk about this in the coming months.
0: Yeah, very. Yeah. I mean, I would say in this area, our immediate area, our home base in New York and New Jersey. I mean, with apologies to Bob Menendez, frankly, the senatorial representation in this area on, on this Israel issue is just so disappointing at this point. And they've well, got I think. A- I mean, Senator Schumer has. Uh...
8: Um, supported all the piece there legislation that you mentioned, and
0: right. played a critical role. Right, could, right. But he, but you, but you do acknowledge that he, that that his outspokenness on this specific issue would be effective if he would be out there, you know, fighting the battle that we're trying to fight.
8: Again, a lot in Congress is not is not always what you see is what you get. That things are done behind the scenes. That things are done in different ways i would like to see everybody every day out there pushing my agenda Uh, i know that's not possible but again uh, senator schumer others will be in critical positions to help and and i think that they share our concern the question is where they put the onus you know many democrats uh, still, don't forgive the prime minister for his speech in Congress, and you know they don't hold other leaders accountable for extended periods, if whether they agree or disagree with what they did, and whether history has proven them right or wrong. Right. Uh, so, again, it's a very complicated issue. I think people have to be very careful when you make accusations and charges. You got to know what you're talking about. You have to have the uh, the evidence and give people a chance. If after that they don't change, and you see that they continue. On the same path, and because they make a decision that uh, their presidential aspirations or aspirations for a higher role would, uh, dictate that they should take um, a, a different uh, position. Uh, then we have a responsibility to hold them to account. Right.
0: All right. Originally, we were not supposed to be here next week. Now we are here next week. So if you're available, we will speak next week. Oh, and I wanted to point out that in terms of listener reaction, uh, one of our listeners posted on our app the uh, article from Ynet that there was no Iron Dome battery in the 'er Beersheva area at the time of the rocket attacks. Right. So
8: the question is, why wasn't there? Because Israel doesn't have enough to cover the whole uh, country. And um, and it shows uh, us
0: that Israel didn't expect that there would be a, a rocket they attack. They did over.
8: not anticipate it. But mm. no, I'm saying the questions that people automatically ask right. are questions like, why didn't Iron Dome? I mean, it's the right. questions I get sure. all the time. Mm. And uh, and I just want to give a shout-out to Matus Who's because of him we can keep on top of a lot of these new archaeological uh,
0: oh, discoveries. Oh, Matus gets a shout-out? I like that. You know, Matis. On uh, well, Matis' show, I'm giving you a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Matis makes sure that I get biblical archaeology review every single month or whenever they come Me out. Too. So that's uh, what d- I mean. Also. Oh, I thank I like that. Boy, oh, boy. So you you and I will be uh, sharing a reading experience this Shabbos, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the, the words are too big for me. <laughs> I, I, I like the ads, frankly. A lot of biblical ads in the uh, magazine. <laughs> that, that's true. All right. Thank you, Malcolm. And, and big yeshikach to Matis. All right. Big shout out. Malcolm Honline, of course, executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Friday's weekly update here at JMNAM. And as I said, our schedule will now allow... Uh, for us to speak next week. So Malcolm uh, will rejoin us uh, next Friday. Make sure to be tuned in and spread the word. The weekly update, Friday, 7.40 Eastern time here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Friday morning broadcast on this area of Shabbos Parshas, Lech Lecha, lighting at 549 in the New York area. Thanking everybody for commenting on the app. Listen to Devorah says, Nachum, you would have loved to be in Israel yesterday. Players from the Israel World Baseball Classic are in Israel. They gave training to our Little League players and then played a game for them. I know how much you like that team. Shabbat Shalom. That is so cool, and there's so much to say about this. About enough time this moment, but boy, there's so much to say about this. Um... Also, a one of our listeners says, Remind you to announce the Flatbush Community Israel Bonds Breakfast happening at the Flatbush Park Jewish Center this coming Sunday morning starting at 945. Walk-ins are welcome. Speak to Robert for information at 212-446-5835. 212-446-5835. And listeners, Sam says, Boker Tov, dearest Nahum, are greatly enjoying the stream while munching on fine pastries. <laughs> <laughs> by our great manager, Yoyli and Suchi. Well, thank you very much for that and best regards to uh, everybody. By the way, listener GZ, uh, who cited the um, the story about the environment from the Israel News at 7 a.m., says, Thank you, Nacho, for playing the Israel News. I basically only listen to it when you play it, even though I live in Israel, <laughs> which is pretty cool. And listener Aryeh says, Mazel Tov to Bracha, Bracha Kayla Mack on her bat mitzvah coming up on Sunday, I want to wish the Stavsky family of Mazel Tov. We'll be celebrating a big bar mitzvah coming up uh, coming up tomorrow. And those of you who are uh, in the uh, area of the Mizrahi tonight, it's a Kalbach, uh, Tfilat Arvi tonight, uh, Tfilat Kabbalat Shabbat, I should say, uh, tonight at the Mizrahi, starting at 6 p.m., 249 East Broadway. And the Kalbach's yard site is Thursday, of course. Rakhli Menus yard site is tonight and tomorrow. And... Um, And, again, the Kalbach Yard site is coming up Wednesday night and Thursday of next week. We'll have the Kalbach special on Thursday here at JM in the AM. Oh, and a reminder, I mentioned this earlier. This coming Monday, this coming Monday, our good friend Mendy Merle, who is the owner for the last 30 years of Mendy's Restaurant in Manhattan, now I think inarguably, some might have said arguably, I I think we've determined that it's not arguable. The longest-running kosher restaurant in New York uh, under the same management. 30 years for Mendy's Restaurant. In fact, Monday, they're reducing prices to 30 years ago. So he'll be here Monday. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the restaurant scene in Manhattan and in New York uh, with Mendy of Mendy's Restaurant. Again, this coming Monday, 8 a.m., Mendy of Mendy's Restaurant is expected in studio here at jm and It should be a very, very interesting Conversation This time each and every Friday, every of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin.
9: Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Lech Lecha. Wow. With Parshas Lech Lecha, we are, quote, off and running with Jewish history. Baratheous Noach has been dealing with world history, leading up into Lech Lecha, where Hashem says to Avraham, You are my man, and through you I will build a great nation. Now, in Parashat's Lech Lecha, we have, according to the Chinuch, the second mitzvah of the Torah, and that is the mitzvah of Brismila circumcision, whereby... The Chinuch writes, very, very interesting, that just as man is to complete his body through circumcision, so too is he given the mandate to complete his character. And we can do it. Now, in parashas lech lecha, pending upon whom opinion we follow, the Mishnah tells us in the fifth chapter of Avos that in Mishnah 2 excuse me, Mishnah 3 that there are 10 generations from Noah to Avraham and that's what he's called Avraham in the Mishnah 4 we're told that with 10 tests was our father Abraham tried and and he passed all 10 tests now Rabchaim Volojana, in his commentary on Avos, points out that in Mishnah 3, in telling us there were 10 generations from Noah to Avram, he's simply called Avram. But in Mishnah 4, when we're told that Avram was tested and he passed them, he's called Avram Avinu. Why? Because each and every one of us has within us the DNA of our fathers. And we, the Jewish people, have within us the DNA of our father, Abraham, enabling us to pass the various tests. Now, I'd like to focus this morning on a test that Avram had. Namely, we're told in chapter 13 that Avraham and Lot, his nephew, could not live harmoniously together. Why not? Because as we're taught in the commentaries that Lot's shepherds were grazing their animals on private property, when Avraham and his shepherds rebuked them, they said, come on. Hashem promised the land to Avraham. Avraham has no children. Lot is his heir, and therefore we can take from whatever pasture is available. And the Torah tells us right after that, excuse me, the land was not yet given to Avram, and this was called Geneva, Zela, this was called stealing from these peoples. So Avram separates from Lot with the following. That you go to the right, I'll be there at the left. You go to the left, I'll be there at your right. Meaning that Avram says, I will protect you should you ever be in trouble. Well, in chapter 14, Lot is in great trouble. The Torah tells us that the land of Israel was inhabited by five kings. And four kings came from without and attacked showing us that then, as well, the world recognized the importance of, quote, the Middle East, the land of Canaan, as the uh, connector between the various continents. And so the four kings defeat the five kings. Lot is captured by the four kings, and Avram goes to war against the four kings, being there to um, protect and to ransom his redeem, his nephew Lo to save him from his captors, and now Avram, who was already a very wealthy man from the gifts of Paro, in chapter twelve, now he is potentially a multi-billionaire. When the king of Sodom says to Avram, "Please, Tainli nefesh, give me the." My people, and harachush kachloch, but the booty, the uh, wealth of the war, that's yours, because to the victor belongs the spoils. So what does Avram do? This is in chapter fourteen, and this is pasuk twenty-two. Avram <speaking in Hebrew> el Avram said to the king of Sedom, Harimosi odi el Hashem. I raise my hand to God, meaning I'm taking an oath. El Elyon, the Most High God, Konei Shemayim V'aretz, literally the maker of heaven and earth, or as I would like to show, the connector of heaven and earth, who is connected to heaven and earth. Watch. In Michut V'Yatzroch Nal, Avraham says, I won't take a string, I won't take even a shoestrap, Will I take anything? Below Somar, you shouldn't say, you, the king of Sodom, shouldn't say, Ani, it was I, Hesharteus Avram. I made Avram wealthy. Avram, we're told at the very beginning of Lecha, when God tells Avram to leave his father's home, leave his country, and go to. To the land that he would show him, so in that second verse, God says, "I will I will bless you, and you will become very wealthy." Aburechacha says Rashi in quoting the midrash. So he wants it clear that the gift of wealth should come from God and not of the king of Sodom. So let's take a look together at Pesach twenty-three. How many extra words? Avram could have said, I'm not taking anything. He starts by saying, Be it a chut, a thread, ad sroch or the shoe strap, will I not take anything? On this... Ravah teaches in the Gemara, Chulim, Petes Amaralif. In the schus of Avram saying, in Michut, the Jewish people receive the mitzvah of Tzitzis. And is saying, Ad Sroch, the strap of Anal, we receive the mitzvah of Tefillin, which is the straps. And says the Medrash, in uh, Bereshis Rabbah chapter 43, in the name of Rav Abba bar Baruch who says to Abraham, you said Srochnaal Shani Shanino thanks to you, and by your life, I am giving to your children the mitzvah of Yibum, whereby you have a Khultsonal Raglo in the mitzvah of Yibum and Chalitza whereby the Torah says that if a brother should die childless, <coughs> the surviving brother, right? Marries is to marry his sister in law, and by this the Torah says, law kim shame be in order to maintain literally his soul, as we shall see in the Jewish people. And over there, should there not be a Yibum, what is their Chalitza? She removes his shoe, and as a result of that, she becomes free to marry somebody else. In the merit of Avram saying, Sroch Na'al, the Medrash says the Jewish people were given Chalitza. So first of all in order to substantiate this connection between Avram and Chalitza believe it or not, if you look in the Shulchan Aruch, Eben HaEzer at the very end of Simon Kuf, Tes 169 after the Chalitza Yesh Noagim, there are those who made the Bracha which is Asher Kitshanu b'mitz, B'mitzvos the Shal Avram Avinu. Amazing, the connection between Chalitza and Avram Avinu. So, I'd like to share with you the interesting thought of the Admor of Tolna in his Sefer, Hemo Yenachamuni, his first piece on Lechlocha, and he has a common thread going through these three mitzvos: Tzitzit, Tefillin, and Chalitza. And the common thread is, Avram is the great connector, the connector between Shemaim v'Eretz, between Eretz and Shemaim. What is Tzitzit? So he points out, interestingly, that we know, the Torah says, you put tzitzit on your four-cornered garment. In Mitzvah 99, the Milchaz minch, Chinuch asks, it would appear that the me'il, the robe of the Kohen Gadol, which had four corners, yet we don't find that the Kohen Gadol had to put tzitzit on his robe. Why not? So he suggests an interesting reason. The Torah says in Parshas, kiseitze al It is to be worn on your four-cornered garments. Who's the your? The average individual who wears a garment for warmth, who wears a garment for dignity, covering up the body. They need to be reminded that it's not their skill in covering up, but it's Hashem who is the one that is the ultimate provider. And so our tzitzis reminds us in our garments that he is the one who provides us with that which we need. However, the garment of the Kohen Gadol is not his. It belongs to the Jewish community. This is the uniform that he wears spiritually on our behalf. We appreciate God's involvement in the Beged because of its spiritual nature and therefore does not need the tzitzis. What are tefillin? Tefillin is that on our kibores, on the muscle of the arm, that's where we place the shellyad, showing that our human strength comes from on high, from Hashem. And the shelrosh, the rabbis were aware that the fontanel, the mokom that mocho shaltino face, where the head of the baby um, come on goes up and pulsates goes up and down that's where the moach the intelligence of the brain is and the zroah putting the in on the arm is right across from the heart so I have the strength on the on the muscle I have the Machshava, the mind, the intelligence, and I have the Lave, which is a cross from the Shelyad, symbolizing the desires of man. So basically, our Tfilin is to subjugate our body, our thoughts, our desires to our Kiddush Baruch Hu. This is the contribution of Avraham in the sroch, in the straps of the na'al, the strap that he uses in saying I'm not going to take anything. Now finally, what is the na'al of Chalitza? So, Chalitza, the Rambam in the laws of Hilchos Yibam and Chalitza per Dalit, Halacha, Vav, says something very interesting. That What does she do? She takes the shoe from his foot and she takes it off his foot she throws the shoe down to the ground now the Bach in his commentary on Shulchan Aruch he says in Simon Kuf Samartes What's the reason for throwing it down? Showing that she's doing it for the purpose of the mitzvah of Chalitza. She doesn't want it for herself. However, the Rambam here is based on the Zohar in Parshas Chukas, whereby p Kabbalah, this is something very interesting, which is spelled out by the Malbim, which I'll share with you in a moment. The concept that the Zohar says is as follows. That when a man dies without children and there is a surviving brother, there's a zikah, there's a connection between the soul of the deceased and his wife and Yibum, marrying her, or Chalitza, having the ceremony of removing the shoe, breaks this connection. When the soul of the deceased hears the Chavitas Hanal Bekarka, the throwing of the Na'al on the ground, It causes a jabbing into the soul, a separation from her husband. So what do we have? A connection between our physical action here and the spirituality affecting the soul up there. The Malbim on the Pasuk by Moshe at the burning bush, where the Torah says... Hashem says to Moshe, Take off your shoe. He points out something very fascinating. That the neshama, when it comes down in this world, cannot come straight onto the world. Because the neshama is pure, the physicality of this world is full of refes, tit, which disturb the ruchnias, and therefore the soul needs to be in a goof and the goof is to the neshama as the na'al is to the goof when it's when there's forgive me schmutz and snow outside we need the na'al we need the boot, we need the shoe in order to go that the our body should not get disturbed by the elements what the shoe does for the body the body is the na'al of the neshama so here by Halitza when he does not wish to continue the soul of his brother she removes his shoe calling him na'al. he's the one whose shoe has been removed i.e. he's the one who did not create continuity for the soul we see very clearly between siddes, tefillin, and chalisa that Avram Avinu is the great connector. When we perform mitzvos, we don't always understand why. But one thing you should know that by our performing of mitzvos, we are reinforcing that incredible connection that Avram brought down to this world, namely the connection between Shamayim and Oretz. What a privilege we have in joining Abram Ubinu in connecting our souls with our actions, with connecting our physicality, materialism, together with spiritualism. Shabbat Shalom to all.
0: J.M. in the A.M. The great Rav Shulman Kalbach, Mim Komcha. Thursday, Kalbach special, his yard site this coming Wednesday night and Thursday. A lot of Kalbach, Kabbalat Shabbat ceremonies or services, I should say, happening around the world tonight. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Parsha's Lachacha. Thanks so much for tuning in. Candle lighting in New York, 549, 549. Don't forget to check out our community calendar online. If you go to our community calendar, NahumSiegel.com slash community dash calendar, you'll see the event for Nair Tamid down in Baltimore going on uh, tomorrow night. You'll see the Wine by the Case event in Crown Heights with Yosef, excuse me, Yosef Carduna and Aryeh Kunstler tomorrow night. The Israel Bond celebration at the Flatbush Park Jewish Center for Sunday morning. And Elizabeth and Teenek, the Considering Buying a Home in Israel event, and Elizabeth Sunday morning and Teaneck Sunday night. The DRS open house. Hello to our friends at DRS out in the five towns. Their open house is 1 o'clock this coming Sunday. Uh, the YU presentation, the fifth annual Times Square Kumsitz for Israel, happening in Father Duffy Square at 5.30 um, p.m. this coming Sunday. It's all up there if you go to the community calendar section of NahumSiegel.com. You will see all that. A reminder, this coming Monday, Mendy from Mendy's Restaurant. 30 years they are celebrating. Longest-running kosher restaurant currently in New York. Mendy of Mendy's Restaurant. In a fascinating conversation, I am sure, this coming Monday here at 8 a.m. at J.M. in the A.M. He's also rolling back prices to 1988. So Monday, you could walk into Mendy's on 34th Street and literally buy lunch at 1988 prices, which I must say is pretty cool. Don't forget, coming up right after JM in the AM, Naomi Nachman with Table for Two. Uh, today, Naomi is joined by Chopped winner Ra- Rachel Goldzal and Melinda Strauss of Kitchen Tested. 10 o'clock for the Arab Shabbos show, sponsored by our friends at Kedem. Thank you, Mark Zamek. 1 o'clock for um, the Harry Rothenberg video blog on Lechlecha. And then, of course... Our incredible era of Shabbos music mix brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, single with Avrami Matis with JM Sunday. This coming Sunday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. That'll be live. Make sure to be tuned in. Don't forget we'll be at Staff StaffCon with NCSY Monday night at 6 p.m. Don't forget the Yeshivat Noam open house is this coming Monday night. And we'll be at Yeshivat Noam on October 31st for their big 18th anniversary celebration. And there was one more thing. Oh, yes, don't forget. If you want to sponsor all or part of a JM and the AM broadcast, including the Kalbach special this coming Thursday in memory of somebody, in honor of somebody, for somebody's birthday, whatever the case may be, go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM.
7: Say special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine and his creator It's a very special sign Your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing
1: songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your
7: hammer There's nothing left to do on Home and find the gift that's waiting there for you.
1: Oh, it's time, it's time to say good, Shabbos.
7: Cause all your work is done. Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One. Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine is a very special sign. Got
1: All your work is done
7: Gonna spend the day
0: Israel, and my brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsor digital radio, around the world, the web, at nachomsegal.com, on the Nachom Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. By the way, I also wanted to mention—oh, sorry about that. By the way, I also wanted to mention—I also wanted to mention— <laughs> that uh, the TABC Open Houses is coming Sunday morning. Information, go to TABC.org, TABC.org. If you are in the 8th grade or you have uh, parents who are 8th grade parents, and uh, check it out. Table for Two video is already up at NahumSiegel.com. It's on the homepage. Just scroll down a bit. You'll see NahumSiegel.com. The video for Table for Two is already up. Naomi Nachman is next with a fresh new edition of Table for Two. And then, of course, the Arab Shabbos show presented by Kedem with Mark Zamek presiding on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Lechacha. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Enjoy all the Kalbach Shabbatot. Uh, have a wonderful weekend. Monday morning, we're back starting at 6 a.m. Remember, Mendy of Mendy's Restaurant is going to join us with some interesting history and major announcements. It's all happening in the 8 o'clock hour this coming Monday. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend. Until Monday, Nachom Sigol, reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.